straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Alright, back in the cam with another edition of the uh, fucking pilot's uh, Lunatic Fringe, and I got a couple more victims uh, in here. Uh, who the fuck are you guys? So, we're uh, Matt and Nick. I'm Nick. Um, we're base jumpers, I guess, or base jumpers. All right. We're base jumpers, and yeah. Nice. We're in the studio with the fucking pilot. You are in the can <laughs> with the fucking pilot, absolutely. So, base jumpers, but you you didn't just go out uh, by a rig and jump off of a bridge or something, did you? You guys started somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we all have, or well, we both have uh, separate stories. I mean, I started in the states jumping in uh chicago yeah you sound like you're from sound like you're from chicago well yeah no i'm from australia (laughs) land down under (laughs) indeed indeed but yeah yeah started over there in chicago flew up did the aff and uh yeah at skydive chicago yep oh nice nice when was that 2010 2010. Okay, so yeah. really not that long, not that long ago. No, nah, no, nah, I've been doing it. Uh, I guess that'd be nine years or eight and a bit. All right, uh, full time for six or seven. So I was, uh, I was actually flying for the competition in Hinkley when you were learning how to skydive. Uh, oh yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. All right, small world. How about you, Nick? So I started back in 2016 in South Africa, where I'm from in Cape Town. Okay, uh, I did the AFF there. Yeah. At- my dad's drop zone so it was pretty natural like both parents skydived so it was natural for me to start wanting to jump and then they wouldn't let me jump before i was 16 or like just do tandems and then at 16 i was i could do the course and yeah then they wouldn't let me drop out of school so i had to finish school before <laughs> i could really really carry on skydiving so what were they they afraid you were going to fall into the lifestyle that they had well, pretty much. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. All right. That's yeah. the same thing with uh, me and my kid. I'm terrified she's going to follow in her dad's footsteps, so I'm happy she didn't. Well, cool. So you both are relatively low-time jumpers. I mean, pretty new to the sport all in all. Yeah. I mean, Nick's, uh, I mean, what's that, like 16 years ago Oh, si- you said two, 2016. Morning. So when you were 16, you mean? No, no, two, was, 2006. 2006. All right. When now that makes six, more sense. Sorry. That yeah. makes more sense. All right. Cool. Yeah, so, cool. So it's been like, yeah. Nine years, ten years of like full time skydiving, about twelve and a half thousand jumps. Oh wow! So, okay, and this is you knew this is something you wanted to do from a young age, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, pretty much running around the drop zone, watching people jumping out of the plane. Um, we would like whenever they parked the planes in the hangar in the evening, we'd like jump out of them onto the ground, and pretend <laughs> like we're skydiving. So awesome! Yeah, awesome. That's very cool. Uh, so uh, Matt, what made you decide you wanted to take off to Chicago to learn how to jump? Well, uh, yeah, I was sitting on a beach in Mexico in uh, Cabo and, uh, yeah, we were having a few cervezas and, uh, yeah, I was watching tandems come in and we ran up there and asked them if they could teach us. Uh, turned out that they couldn't, so uh, next best thing was to fly up to uh, Chicago and, and uh, yeah, enroll in the course. Nice. Yeah, I flew up for a 10-day trip and left there with 60 jumps Um, wow god so you went pretty hardcore yeah yeah well yeah the boys were up there from uh standard and yeah every jump they were cheering us on so nice nice 
Yeah, it was good times. Well, so you, you, obviously you ended up going uh, pretty balls deep right away. I mean, yeah. if you guys are your base jumpers, wingsuit base jumpers, no less, uh, over a short period of time for you, Matt, that's that's full on. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, for sure. I mean, I I had the cash, and uh, I I loved it straight away. I mean, there was I I did have that apprehension, you know, at the start. After a few jumps, I thought about giving it up, but I'd uh, talk so much shit about how much I wanted to. Uh, I knew I couldn't live it down if I went home without. Kind of painted yourself into a corner. You told everybody you were going to be a badass, exactly. so you better follow through. Yeah, exactly. Right nice, nice. And then, yeah, it snowballed from there. Good crew up in Chicago, so yeah, yeah it was fun times. So you you go from there and and uh, you bang out a bunch of jumps. Nick, you were in it for a bit longer and and had the family thing going. How did you both transition into just the whole lifestyle of it just being full time? Did you start working in it or you just threw money at it and kept going? Yeah. So for me, I traveled to the states as soon as I finished school, and then I was packing at a drop zone and just jumping as much as I could. Nice. Where was for, that at? For the summer in Atlanta. Hmm. And yeah, so just jumping and. Living in the drop zone. Nice, nice. Matt, how about you? Do you start working in it? Uh, yeah, well, originally I was flying back to the US a lot. I worked on yachts. Uh, so I would fly back and jump for a week and then go back, work for six months, jump again for a week. And yeah, I realized I was spending all my cash on skydiving. So I was like, oh, fuck it. And I just left the yachts and yeah and uh paid for the tunnel course and yeah i started as a tunnel instructor before a, a tandem instructor okay i'm guessing uh, uh that probably did a whole lot for for helping you your learning curve i mean the tunnel's pretty great yeah. way to learn yeah for sure i mean as soon as i touched down uh at my first tunnel job i uh I flew as much as I could, as much as they allowed us, which was a lot. And, uh, yeah, we had a good motivated bunch at the tunnel. And, yeah, we just flew and flew and flew. Nice, nice. And uh, so, Nick, you started out in, in the States again working and, and packing and doing all the all the normal stuff. When did you start jumping hardcore full-time? So it was basically two summers of just mostly packing, and then I started flying camera. And then that allowed me to jump or fun jump more. I was in Lodi for four summers. And Lodi was awesome because $13 jumps, you can't beat it. Can't, right. Like right. Back well. in the day, there were heaps of really good free flyers there. And sure. It was encouraging to like watch other people do jumps and you just jumped as much as you could. And yeah, then, then when I met Brad and Emma, who were like already an established free fly team, I jokingly said one day to them, like, oh, yeah, well, if you don't want him to film you, I'll film you. And then they took me up on that. And then, yeah, we went into the, the free-flying team. and That's the team you ended up uh, competing with just uh, not too far ago. I yeah. Mean. Yeah. So that's where we com we went to Worlds twice. So uh, Brad and Emma who? Brad and Emma Merritt. They're from Australia. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So you paired up with them, ended up becoming a, a, a competition free-fly team. And went to world twice. Yeah. And how'd you guys do? The first worlds we were seventh, and the second world we were fifth. 
fifth, I think, or sixth. So seventh and fifth or sixth. And then, yeah, the best achievement that we had was at at DIPC in Dubai, where we came second, and we beat the Frenchies. Which is quite the accomplishment. Yeah, we're pretty happy with that one. Well, are the is the free flight team uh, for France uh, still sponsored by Tag? Is that their still their their guys? I mean, they're a full ride. That's all they do is is train. Yeah, pretty much. The, they get a lot of support from the the French government and the the skydiving association. And you guys had to do this out of your own pocket. Yeah, yeah, we did everything just for the fun of it. That's pretty damn just, impressive. What was your team name? Azure, Azure Freefly. Nice, nice. So three shots now, the two times in world, fifth and seventh out of how many teams? In probably like 15, 12, 15 teams. That's pretty fucking impressive. I mean, especially if you're doing it out of your own pocket and having to chuck drugs and shoot video when everybody else is training. Yeah. Impressive. Matt, how about you? Do you ever do any competing stuff? or? Yeah, so we were... Lucky enough to form a team, a uh, four-way dynamic team for in-flight Dubai. Mm. Uh, we were called Skynamic. It was me, Simon, Whittle, Danny, Roman, and uh, Ryan Dutteridge. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, a, it was an awesome ride. We went to uh, three different comps, one in Russia, one in uh, all the first FAI worlds in uh, Prague. And so this is tunnel stuff. Yes. Yeah. So it's four-way dynamic where you go in there, you have a free routine and you have speed rounds and basically you're on uh, battles. So generally you're up against another team. You have to perform your free round and you have to uh, beat them in a speed round. And so- if not, it goes to a tie break. So now the free round is is uh, uh, kind of an artistic type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and the the speed round is uh, like the older uh, RW stuff. You've given a pool of, uh, of formations you have to make, yeah. and a certain amount of time to be able to make those. Each one being a point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a line. So it's got a it's got a snake and a layout and a mixer at the end. But basically, you're all following a leader. So you're in a line of four. Okay. And uh, you've got to race around that line as fast as you can. And they have sidelines and and uh, <clears throat> circles for the layouts so that you go over and under them. Wow. And uh, you can bust. Uh, it's super awesome. Very cool. It sounds extremely intricate. I don't know a whole yeah. lot about the competitions that have gone in the tunnel, but I know that they're pretty yeah. damn difficult. Now, nowadays and back then, like, we, we were lucky. We trained a hell of a lot and uh, in-flight Dubai supported us a lot and uh, – yeah, we were able to to get quite good um, by training hard, and uh, yeah, we were competitive, awesome. which was good. Now, was awesome. when did the whole idea of base jumping start to come to light for either of you? So for me, I did the first base jump when I was visiting Lodi that one year. We we drove up to Idaho to the, the to Pine new, to okay to, to Pine, Pine Bridge. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd been talking to like other guys that had base jumped, and um, actually there was a guy called Randy. I forget his surname. He was um, he was actually very big in like teaching me to pack and talking to me about base jumping and things that can happen, mm. and like basically mentor mentoring me for like months and months before we ever went and did a, an actual base jump. Wow! And yeah, then the one day we went up. 
drove all night in the van to the Prine, got there in the morning, started jumping, and I was terrified. First base jump, like I really thought it was going to be pretty doable, but I was terrified. <laughs> like climbing over the railing and standing on the edge and holding on and then just jumping into nothing was, was like a huge, huge step for me. And then it was awesome, and I landed, and then I just wanted to do it again and again. So with, with something like that, I, I mean, I can only use my experience in skydiving, really. But uh, um, part of the reason that skydiving became such a, a huge attraction to me was because it scared the shit out of me. And I managed to make myself do it and had a little bit of fun while I was doing it. And it was that little bit of fun mixed in with all that terror that just made this recipe of it was just a fucking drug. Um, and you landed going, I can't believe I got myself to do that. And I almost had fun that time. And the next time it became more and more, but it's got to be times 10 on a base jump. And I would know I've never done that shit. That's not me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, <laughs> I don't know, terrifying for me, like without sounding too like out there it, for the skydiving, it, it, I didn't get as much fear. Like mm. it was never sitting in the plane with the door open because I had flown in the small planes with my dad when I was younger. It, it seemed pretty normal. And then during tandems where my dad was there with me, it, it, it seemed like the next step was always just a small step. Sure. But then the base jumping, standing on the bridge was a huge step. Sure. And nothing skydiving really prepared me for that. Oh, I can imagine. To, to jump off. Well, especially not if you, if you were raised around skydiving, it was normal for you to watch people falling out of the sky and parachutes landing and yeah. that kind of stuff. And out of an airplane would be second nature to somebody that grew up around it but for somebody like me that just the, yeah. the idea of jumping off a bridge just scares the living piss out of me <laughs> it's bananas yeah like that was the first time that i had seen base jumping live was when i actually then went and did it was it a draw for you i mean had you thought about it a lot prior to talking to these guys that were doing it or did it just all kind of come at you when you were in the states did you just meet no, base jumpers no from growing up at the drop zone like i knew that it was a big step to go base jumping and that it was dangerous. There were other people in South Africa that were base jumping a little bit, but I knew that it wasn't just something that I was going to do lightly. Sure. So it, there was a lot of preparation beforehand and a lot of thought about it. And then you took your time. We went it. and did it. Yeah. Matt, how about you? Well, yeah, I, I started a little bit different. I, uh, <laughs> I, I had uh, a friend called uh, Danny Roman, and we lived together. We had no money. We had a TV, but we didn't have any uh, uh, channels on it. <laughs> we we had one USB, and it had uh, a movie called Flying Frenchies, and uh, we watched that just about every night and sat there and got drunk. And... Uh, yeah, through that I kind of got interested and I I remember me and Danny did a balloon jump once and he wore a base rig on that jump mm. and uh, <clears throat> I exited and I followed and we were kind of tracking and he, he had a suit on and I started following and I forgot all about that I didn't have a <laughs> base rig and he, he started humming it down low and last minute realized and i pulled and yeah i I watched him go for another you know 15 20 (laughs) seconds more you know and i just i knew then that i wanted to give it a shot nice yeah so 
Danny kind of mentored me a bit, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we went and jumped. And so my, my first jump was uh, with Danny and Pablo Hernandez, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. So sitting around, shitty ass drunk, watching uh, um, it's a bunch of Frenchies doing some crazy ass shit. Yeah, and then a balloon jump where you went low. <laughs> Yeah. And watch somebody else get to go a lot lower and you're like, oh, fuck yeah, that's all exactly. me. Exactly. And now uh, <laughs> this season we actually got to go on a two-week trip with one of those flying Frenchies, which How was cool. cool. Was that? Yeah, Julian Millot. So, so it was you, awesome. you both did your first base jump. Uh, you both decided it was for you. Uh, but, I mean, you guys have taken it a lot further than that. I mean, base jumping has a whole lot of levels, just like skydiving has a whole lot of levels. Um, and you guys – are doing this shit that, from my perspective, is just straight up fucking nuts. It's, I could never fathom. I couldn't do it. I couldn't even imagine being at the exit point of some of the jumps that you guys are, are, are just, what's the word you use? Frothing over. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. How do you, how do you go from making that first base jump, uh, to deciding you're going to be carving down the side of a mountain at treetop level in a wingsuit? Baby steps, basically. I mean, we, we've we trained a lot together, especially last season. We might have done, uh, you know, multiple hundred jumps mm. two ways. Yeah, it was and, close to 450 yeah, two-way wingsuit jumps. Which is a shitload. And yeah, we've never, like we've ne- season, so. never done something off a cliff that we haven't done many times before skydiving. And even though it's not the same, it still gives us a preparedness that, and an understanding of what each other's going to do and what we're going to do uh, off that cliff mm. um, before we've actually done it. Without that, I w- wouldn't have thought we would have done any of the stuff that we've done. Well, now, in full flight, a wingsuit, whether you're jumping out of an airplane or off a cliff, is going to fly the same way, yeah. right? But it's the, it's the exit. Um, off the object and getting to full flight that's is that the most dangerous part i mean uh, uh, yeah there's i mean there's there's a lot of dangerous parts you, there's still, like all of it yeah <laughs> yeah still. realistically it's dangerous from beginning to end yeah from before you decide to go up the mountain to after you're heading to the bar for beers but um when you you do a lot of flying in the wingsuit from from the plane and you feel really comfortable in the wingsuit. So from Matt's free-flying background in the tunnel, flying in all orientations to flying the wingsuit, if you were to end up really steep on an exit, for example, or worst comes to worst, you ended up on your back, if you have that background of free-flying and you know what's going on around you, you you're going to fly out of it. You're flying, in, you're flying in any orientation. Yeah, then than if you don't. So that's where the preparation of even the free flying built up to to wingsuit base jumping. Okay. Now, um, a little bit about the wingsuits because I don't know a whole lot about them as well. I know that there's there's different versions. And I remember as a, uh, a jumper watching when Patrick de Gardon was starting out yeah. and it was literally just a, a – it was like a camera jacket with a wing between his legs. Uh, it didn't do a whole lot. It looked kind of cool, but – these wingsuits nowadays, and especially the ones that you guys are flying, you basically turn yourselves into little fighter jets. Yeah, we'd like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you guys I have the like ability it. in these wingsuits to fucking go up. 
Yes. Yeah. All right. Skydivers don't go oh, up yeah. ever. <laughs> I can slow down a lot, kind of. Mm-hmm. I, well, no, I can't. I fall like a brick. But, um, but you guys can go up in this. So what? What? How come these suits allow that? What? What's the design? What makes them so spectacular? Well, uh, yeah, they've come a long way. Mm. They're obviously a lot, a lot bigger than they used to be. Um, personally, I haven't designed much of the wingsuits and I'm just very lucky that we we started in a time when wingsuits had already evolved from the tiny wingsuits that you talked about with mm. the little leg wing to suits that look almost like bed sheets mm. where they stretch all the way from your wrist down to the, the ankle and then your legs are like pretty far spread. Um, I think it's a lot to do with the progression in... Uh in speed flying and stuff as well and using uh mini ribs and things like that and the internal pressure within the wingsuit is what gives it the 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 flare ability so speed Um, flying uh for those that don't know uh used to be called ground launching for us old fuckers uh which is where you kite a canopy of whatever size it may be on a hill hopefully a steep one uh, run down the hill and eventually you end up in flight and you're basically carving down the mountain. Yeah. And they turned it into now what's called speed flying and they design wings specifically for that, which are meant to pressurize, obviously. Uh, yeah. So they've got those, the open front end and the closed back end. So your suit basically is like a, a mini Ram Air parachute. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, exactly. And now they're starting to like, make the inlets longer and smaller and make the the internal pressure more but still still safe. And, well, that's a uh, big problem too, isn't it? I mean, if you pressurize the suit too much, you lose your ability to move freely and that's yeah. kind of yeah. scary. Yeah, well, that's the trade-off. So the more the more pressure you have in the suit, then the less uh, I guess the the harder it is to manage. Uh, and uh, at pull time. Now, in order to make it safe and, and to get it to the point where you guys are able to move around, is that where the whole flare uh, came into play, it's slowing yourself down and almost, I mean, you guys hit zero airspeed at some point, don't you? Yeah, I, I don't think it's zero, but it, it gets... It's getting close to it, yeah. because it feels you, like zero. Fucking yeah. hitting pause yeah. on a skydive, yeah. that's insane. You still yeah. have a little bit of forward like ground speed, I guess. But um, obviously the vertical speed is, is zero or can, can be zero at yeah. all time. So now that would make the pressurization of the suit drop quite a bit, yeah? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's that's what people use the flare for in in, in a way. Is, is there's, I mean, there's so many different ways that people pull in a wingsuit. Mm. For me, I flare um, and I go near or to the top and uh yeah and it makes it makes reaching and opening easy for me uh how about you nick is i mean i i assume that there's different styles of it but obviously the end goal is to open the fucking parachute yeah now matt and i both fly so we'll go to especially in base jumping you'll do the biggest flare that you can and then you pull now and you're reaching back and then at that point the suit's not as pressurized and then collapsing the suit and being able to reach your handle is pretty easy. Well, we're also talking about, I mean, you're not just doing this out of an airplane. You're doing this flying down a, a, a mountain with a whole lot of shit in your way. So you're having to think about terrain and you're having to think about all these different things going on. 
How did? Yeah, when? When did you guys just go? Yep, I gotta, I gotta fly down a mountain with a wingsuit. Uh, I don't know. I guess I woke up. No, I mean, I, I was always fascinated by it. I mean, you watch the videos, you see, you know. I mean, for just about everyone, the Jeb Corliss grinding the crack. I know it. You know, it's cheesy, but it it was that that video that I think grabbed a lot of people. I'm not even sure if I was skydiving back then, hmm. or maybe I was. I th- think I was, but uh, yeah. And from then, you you just it's always that myth. It's like it's like you know so far away, and then suddenly you start finding yourself getting closer and closer, and <laughs> you're like, hey, maybe this is an achievable goal, you know? And and then then you start working towards that and yeah and from there it just snowballs have you had any fuck me moments where you're like okay maybe i bit off more than i could chew yeah but before we get to that (laughs) we should just go back because we kind of went from like the first base jump to wingsuit base jump sure and in between that for both of us there was um at least two seasons i think for both of us of flying a tracking suit Mm. so a tracking suit is like a one-piece painter's suit i guess kind of thing that also fills up with air and gives you a bit more surface area so you have more of uh, the ability to track or move just you kind of look like the stay puff marshmallow man yeah exactly but that allows you to move forward so yeah in essence i guess it's a tiny little wingsuit because it's only got a bit more surface area than your body and you start flying that and then in the beginning you go to places where you can jump and you have a huge exit and you just fly straight out and you see the ground moving underneath you and you're super happy because that's visually really exciting to to see the ground. And then you pull in open air and it's well, all good. I'd imagine too if you're jumping off, a, a, off of these vertical objects without terrain under you, the fact that you're pulling away from the thing that's going to fuck you up or kill you is also a pretty happy sight too. Yeah. 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 So that's so, way better than jumping off a building. So now where did you guys start doing this? What what cliffs were you jumping off? Are we going Italy, in Brento? Bre- and- in Brento, okay. in Italy. Because, I mean, Brento attracts a lot of, of first-timers because it is such a an easy cliff, sure. easy to jump off. And it's a safe uh, rock drop. So that means like the, the the initial first drop from the exit to the ground is very big. And then you can fly out and you still have a lot of altitude. So that's a great place to start. And sure. that is where we started flying the tracking suits. And then once you fly the tracking suit out like that a, a bunch of times, a hundred times, then you go somewhere else where you exit and you can fly and you can turn right or left and follow the wall a little bit. Mm. And then you start seeing the wall next to you and free fall. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I think probably if I were to do a base jump, being able to fly away from that wall is about the only thing that would make me feel Yeah, but you better. can have like five seconds along the wall and then you turn away yeah, from fair the enough. wall and then you yeah. still have... It, uh, um, I actually, the, uh, a close friend, his wife actually had a, uh, um, an off heading opening and, and didn't, uh, didn't survive her trip to Brento, uh, yeah. not jumping a tracking suit, just a normal base jump. Yeah. And so, uh, for those that don't understand how much that something like a tracking suit can help, it's a big deal. I mean, you can get quite far away from the wall, even in just a tracking suit. Yeah. So did, it was a conscious decision for you guys to stick on the tracking suits before you decided to put the wings to use. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was, uh, 
I hadn't even flown a wingsuit when I was tracking. Like, I made a decision that I'd go for that season and fly that suit. And then the next season, I would fly that suit, you know. So, uh, especially in the start, I didn't want to mix and match or do, you know, track and wingsuit and things like that. So, I just focused and used the skydives to train the suit and, uh, yeah, and do like two ways and three ways and four ways in the suit and we've always been lucky that we've had like a crew and we could train with that crew and um you know use your mate as a reference so your your uh your skills skyrocket a lot faster sure well and i'm i'm guessing uh that if you're in a tighter crew as as you guys have been doing stuff that is as dangerous you guys aren't scared to look at each other and go hey what the fuck yeah um i mean i'm guessing you guys are the reality check for each other quite often yeah totally i mean we've had moments you know where we've we've had discussions about things like that so yeah. uh, has there ever been one where one of you is like fuck you and the other one's like we're going uh or is not, it not not before exit? Like we, we've had we've had like little tiffs after exit. Uh, no, I mean after the flight. Uh, but no, generally not. We we haven't really ever said fuck you to each other. But um, yeah. No, well, this is where when you were asking about like the fuck up situation. Sure. It's like I we had done a jump in Switzerland a few times mostly with me following Matt and I was following close by and focusing on following him and watching him. And then on the last jump, I guess, of the day, he said, well, you lead this one and then I'll follow. And as we were approaching like a ledge, it looked different than what it usually did. And I made the wrong decision and I went right instead of going left. Mm. And obviously that can be fatal. Like, cause yeah. you go heading somewhere where you don't know that where, cause other jumps we'd usually fly over a bit higher and then see, and then you can judge it and then you can go lower. And then this one, I just blindly basically went the wrong way and it wow. worked out all right. Luckily Matt aborted and he went left and he went the right way. But that was one of the moments where it was like, you really have to think about it. And there's a lot of like factors that built up to that and jumping a lot that season and jumping a lot in that place and sure so having an experience like that does that make you i mean for most people (laughs) they'd hang up their hat right there uh and i mean don't get me wrong i understand to some degree because goodness knows i've had my fair share of close calls whether it be skydiving or flying and obviously you learn your lesson and continue on but man i mean you're talking just not not luck it's not luck but it just a, a such a minuscule mistake yeah, yeah you know i mean next to nothing that's gotta really weigh heavily in the decisions that you make now because that's something like that doesn't fade does it no nah, so that definitely that that's where some people get lucky i guess and they get away with something like that and then it makes you better in the future sure. because now that's always something that's that's there and I remember it and I remember it often and it reminds you all the time that you have to be on it from the beginning to the end you have to know what's what's going to happen throughout the whole jump and no jump is just another jump sure 
Well, I you mean, know, no skydive should ever just be another skydive, but no base wingsuit base jump is just. Well, I mean, I hate to say it, but the the truth of the matter is they're two completely different beasts. Man, I got two parachutes on my back. I got a computer system that's going to take yeah. care of a lot of it if I fuck things up and. You, you got to work really hard to make a skydive go as bad as quickly as a base jump can. And if you factor in now a wingsuit terrain flying, and there's just, you got a fucking gnat's ass. That's all you're working with. There's just, that's the razor's edge for sure. Now, for both of you, um, now that you're kind of at the level you're at, I've seen the videos that you, you guys are putting up uh, and they pucker my asshole up every goddamn time. And I'm sitting watching it on my phone or on YouTube or something. What does the family think? I mean, uh, uh, Nick, your family's in this sport, but are they in this sport? No. So my dad never base jumped and neither did my mom. Um, so they're obviously very apprehensive about it. Mm. I think the the confidence for my dad comes in that we did it slowly. We didn't progress in a crazy fashion like you see some people sure. that just want to go from AFF, like the basic skydiving course, straight into base jumping mm. and into wingsuit flying. Or they just come to the drop zone and buy the biggest, newest suit that they can. And that's straight away what they want to do. And yeah. Do you like, think, because um, you guys have put about a fair amount of videos and the, the suits that you're flying are, are so high-end, um, you think some of these younger guys that are all about wanting to do that are watching your videos or other hardcore terrain uh, pilots and, and thinking, fuck it, I can do it, and they're jumping off a cliff without a clue what they're doing and their stains on the rocks? Yeah, um, I mean, that was always... Uh one of one of my uh fears you know is like i i always try and make it known that anything that we've done we've done uh through lots of practice and mm. training and hard work and uh you, i do see is in some instances where people have misread kind of what we've done on a jump um and we've had to set them straight and uh, tell them that, you know, it's not the way that we learnt it and, and it's probably not the safest way to do it. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, and, it's, it's pretty difficult for a lot of people that, especially non skydivers, but even some skydivers to, to understand that the most important thing for anybody in any of these versions of our sport is safety. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and that uh, it's, it, it, you know, I mean, that's got to be paramount to anything else. But let me ask you, I mean, you guys have both gotten into this and, and, and are accomplished at this point. You're both sponsored with this yet now too, aren't you? Yeah, we, we were lucky enough uh, to uh, line up with Squirrel Wingsuits, which has been awesome. Um, Mike and Matt are great blokes. Mm. Um, they, they actually contacted us, which was awesome. And Still to this day, I wonder, you know, how how that came about because we just woke up one day with an email hmm. and, uh, yeah, it was super nice and they've been great to us. Which since. is fantastic. Well, and, and both you guys and I know people that uh, uh, were doing the same type of things as you but actually either turned down for or lost their sponsorship because they were just doing shit that was 
too over the top. So it's a bit of a testament to you guys that you've gained and kept sponsorship because uh, when it comes down to it, the manufacturers don't want people burning in because it's not exactly good for their product if their star athletes are dead. Um, exactly. So it's it really is a testament to both you guys that uh, um, you've got people reaching out to give you sponsorship because you're not pushing it. It's the ones that are watching YouTube and, and uh, you know, just doing stupid shit off the top that uh, make me the most nervous. Yeah. Well, it was really awesome that and – well, I don't know, but I don't think we would have come as far if we didn't have the support from Matt um, and Mike, uh, yeah, from Skrill, because like for them to see us and see us doing our thing and then support us. For them and, to approach you, yeah. Yeah, and then from then, obviously, we we work together and like you said, it's it's not good for anyone if anyone goes in. No. So there's that fine line of of pushing the sport and pushing boundaries and coming up with creative new ways of flying and creative things to do, but also doing it safely. Sure. And now, so you're at an exit point. You've got an intricate jump planned. You guys are ready to go. You've you've uh, done the dirt dive. You've thought of, of most everything. Does it ever come into your mind when you're standing at those exit points that there are people that have done exactly what you've done all the way down the line, they've done it right every single step of the way, and the worst has happened. Um, how do you get past that when you're standing there getting ready to flick this object, knowing that guys that have done it right all the way aren't aren't with us anymore? I mean, that's pretty intense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no guarantees, are there? And there, you can make mistakes at any time. Mm. Uh, but I think just having the mindset of of uh you're not gonna let it happen mm. uh i trust in that like, like i i trust in the fact that it's my number one goal you know to see it through and to enjoy it and well, uh there's no you way know. you guys can do what you do if you're not supremely supremely confident that you can do it right yeah you'd yeah. be a fucking fool to yeah. do it yeah, yeah that's it and sometimes you face a lot of criticism from friends and and uh, fellow skydivers and people that will will interpret what you're doing as as not right or unsafe or or whatnot. And I always listen, but um, got to be hard to deal with, though. Yeah, no, it is. It is, and and it was especially in the start uh, because you know people see you starting to break through a little bit and like kind of push what they feel is is your boundaries and uh yeah and and it is it it was the hardest thing to keep going you know and keep jumping and and doing those things when when your mates were saying that sure well yeah if you've got a bunch of people especially people that you love and respect telling you what the fuck are you doing it's got to be pretty tough but you guys clearly had the vision and the the drive to keep doing it now how about people that don't jump um uh girlfriends significant others do you guys is your entire life in the sport i or do you have people that are outside the sport that you're having to try and explain what this is all about well we both have significant others that aren't skydivers how is that 
it's it's harder for them than it is for us. Mm. Well, yeah, undoubtedly. Now, I mean, I, I would guess they've probably voiced this to you. Yeah. Um, clearly, they they choose to be with you for a reason. But do you think there's a breaking point? Is there has there been a discussion with your significant other where they've told you if you start doing A, B, or C, fuck you, I'm out of here? I mean, I'm we're lucky. I mean, both of the girls are very supportive. Um, I know from my standpoint, she knows like that I'm focused on on you know coming home mm. every day so uh she she's never really uh, come across like that but i know it does scare her and it does worry her and she does hold mm. it in a lot uh which is good cuz it allows us to focus sure um but she is very supportive and she knows that it is what i love to do and uh yeah and hopefully you know the support continues. How about you, Nick? Yeah, for me, it's the same. Like, she's not... I mean, if I was to say I'm never going to base jump again, she <laughs> would probably be happy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, she wouldn't be upset about it, <laughs> right. for sure. Right. Uh, but she accepts it and she understands that it is something that makes us really happy and it is something that we focus a lot of our energy on and we work towards. So... You, you have to be happy about like your significant other doing stuff that makes them happy, even uh, if there is the, the, the dangerous side to it. If you know, and I guess it's the same as with the parents. Like they know that it, we're doing it in the best way possible, hmm. then yes. And like you said earlier, because of like people that have also done everything the right way and then they haven't come out on top, obviously you don't think about that on the exit. Mm. You're not thinking about that. On the exit, you're thinking about the jump, the plan, like I said earlier, about where you're going to fly, what you're going to do, what you're going to see, and how the jump's going to go. At night, or when you're having beers with friends, then you talk about stuff that has gone wrong and <laughs> where things can go wrong, and then you kind of try and figure out the plan of not doing that. So but the, the biggest thing for me is just the accidents where people have slipped off the exit, for example, and there is no like working around that no. there, there is no prevention for that because no, it's just you're, a f- you're, you're standing on a on a rock on top of a mountain that other people would never go to the edge of because you don't want to fall down sure so those kind of accidents and that has happened to some of our friends it's there is no workaround and that's the reality uh, well and i hate to say it but those are the ones that are actually easier to much easier to accept it's much easier to accept that uh, um he slipped on a piece of gravel and it just happened to be over a 2500 foot cliff and there was no way around i can accept that a lot more than someone was doing everything right and it didn't work out for what reason you don't know and there's and it is one of those things where you can there's a lot of conjecture over what may or may not have happened but there's never any definitive, this is absolutely what happened. Or I should say there's rarely any definitive. Yeah. Um, especially with what you guys are doing, you're covering such distances, solo to terrain, unless you're on the jump filming you guys, there's no way to keep a visual with you throughout the entire jump. So if something goes wrong, it's a, it, it's, it's not a, a what happened, it's a search party type of thing. Where the fuck are they? So 
<laughs> we need a black box. Right? Yeah. yeah. I know they've got these little devices now where you can find your parachutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe one for wingsuits. Yeah, now. exactly. So Inbuilt black box. Y- you just had a massive day of jumping. You've done however many jumps uh, doing this insane shit that, that we're all watching on video and, and are blown away by. And now you're sitting at the bar afterwards. Is the the community of skydiving is obviously a very tight community. I can't imagine that the community of not just base jumpers, but especially what you're doing has got to be tenfold. I mean, it's that's got to be just family. Even if you don't like somebody, if this is somebody that's doing what you're doing, that's totally. It's got to make for some pretty intense uh, bonfire scenarios. I mean, holy shit, talk about a lot of pent up energy when it's all done. Yeah. So you guys are both taken, so obviously that's not much of a factor with that. But yeah. the parties have got to get a little bit out of control on the ground. They do, for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, you've only got to go to the Horner for a week and you'll see. Uh, Gets a little wild? Yeah. yeah it's a bar in uh, Switzerland, in Ladebrunnen. But, yeah, there's been a, a lot of crazy things <laughs> there, I'm sure. Now, so the, the obviously base jumping has taken off and the, the proximity flying and all that stuff. Back in, in my day, you knew some base jumpers, but they would go jump bridge day. Uh, yeah. And that was it. They'd do one, maybe two or three base jumps a year. Uh, and it was a relatively safe base jump. They go splash in the water. Everybody's happy. Uh, but you guys are putting up big jump numbers and the community itself is swelled. I mean, there's a shitload of active base jumpers. Heaps. Yeah. And it's growing every day. And obviously that has its positives and negatives. Mm. Because it makes the gear safer because there's more gear manufacturers that are, mm. it's lucrative for them to make specific yeah, base money jumping gear. And so people are buying gear every year. The downside to it is that the base jumpers are not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so They're not very nice for for the areas and the places that they go and explore in it's, general. It's a, I, I would imagine it's akin to the uh, um, the boom in surfing way back in the day. You went from next to no surfers yeah. that were taking yeah. real good care of the environment and they were respectful. And then all of a sudden there's a couple of million fucking surfers that are just, you know, shitting all over everything. Yeah. So that's exactly. kind of what you're seeing happen with base jumping? Yeah, for sure. Especially considering where you guys are going are some untouched stunning wilderness i mean you guys are jumping off of cliffs that people have been standing at the base of and daydreaming about for hundreds of years yeah so base jumpers will go climb up there and then chop down some trees (laughs) so they can have a nice exit Uh, and but yeah it's nice though i mean the travel's the best part sure sure i mean this season we went to norway and and some of those hikes were some of the best moments of of the whole trip. Well, yeah, I suppose that uh, the the experience for you is is far from just the jump. It's everything. I mean, it's yeah. got to be from the yeah. time you land at the airport until the time you're back home. We wouldn't put as much effort into it if it was just for that 35 seconds of flight. Sure. Yeah. Because when I tell someone that I hiked four hours to an exit for a 35-second flight and then hiked two hours out in the blazing sun at midday, like yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Sure. What about uh, Norway when we did we did like two two and a yeah. half hour hikes and then we drove to a another hike and hiked that from three a.m. till till like six a.m. Yeah, got but- to the top and we were just knackered like couldn't couldn't. <laughs> 
Couldn't even fathom jumping. But that's got to be a big thing good. too, isn't it? I mean, you got to be at peak fucking performance when you're ready to jump. And if you've just hiked up a goddamn mountain, I mean, are you, what are you, sucking down energy drinks and, and, and carbs and trying to get up a little energy? Or are you just focused at that point? You're just high on life, man, I think. Like the, the hikes, like I love them. Mm. It's good. It's really good in Switzerland when we start hiking in the beginning of the season and we do shorter hikes first. Obviously, you do one-hour hikes and then you build it up to doing three-hour hikes five days in a row in the morning. But that one in Norway that Matt was talking about, that was one of the most incredible hikes in itself. That Even if there was no jump at the end, that one would have been worth, it was like a three-hour hike. Three and a half, three and a half, I don't know. To the troll wall. Because obviously Norway, it's summer, so the, the sun doesn't really go down much. Mm. So one o'clock in the morning, you wake up and it's that like twilight feeling mm. and you start hiking. And then by three o'clock, it starts getting pink and all the mountain, all the rock faces are pink. And <laughs> it's just incredible. Got to be stunning. And then you get to like these, sorry, these like lakes that are still and icy and it's just, it's an awesome, awesome, incredible place that I would never have gone. Sure. That most people would never go because you would you, never hike down. It would be a pain in the ass. Yeah, and you would never fly to Norway to do some hiking. Right. I mean, yeah. obviously there are people that do it, but <laughs> most people don't. And I, I would definitely be part of the people that wouldn't do it. Yeah. But yeah, having never been to Norway because I'm not going to jump off of shit. I'm not likely to do the hikes that you're doing. Yeah. Now, have you ever done one of these massive hikes and gotten to the top and conditions are fucked and you got to uh, hike out? Yeah. So for that, we have Matt. Because Matt, Matt does weather. Matt is really good at doing weather and doing forecasts. And obviously, if it's a four-hour hike, you're not going to hike it if it's iffy. Sure. Um, you you try and stack the odds again or for you and not against you. So if it's looking good, then you go. And even then, if it's looking good, it, it can turn out that you have to sit at the exit for an hour and wait for fog yeah. to clear. But if it's looking not so good... There's no way that you're going to set off for a four-hour hike. Right. You'll take a cable car up, like some places in Switzerland are awesome like that. You'll take a cable car up, and you'll know that it's bad at the top, and you'll sit up there and have coffee because there's a coffee shop, and you can eat a croissant and drink coffee for two hours, three hours, and wait. And then when the clouds clear, then you can go and do an awesome jump. So both of you guys got started skydiving in the States, but in the States, with the exception of very few places, base jumping is illegal. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I used to say a long time ago, one of the few uh, base jumps that I would have considered, um, when I was still considering base jumping, would have been El Cap, yeah. which is full on hardcore legal. In fact, they had a, a base jumper that uh, didn't die jumping off El Cap. He died running away from the rangers trying to catch him. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, there's some amazing shit in the United States to go jump off of. Why is it okay that it, you can climb up those rocks and die climbing up them, but you can't jump off them taking all the safety measures that you do? How do you guys feel about that? I have no idea. Yeah, I know. No, I, I, I feel like it's basically because we don't bring anything to the table for them to let us do that. No? And well, I mean, I they. Don't, I don't know if that that is it, but they had that one uh, attempt that they made, um, and I want to say this was, oh God, early '90s when they tried to legalize it off of El Cap, and yeah. so they they organized this big um, 
uh, jump that they were going to do uh, in uh, defiance of this being illegal. And they came up with an agreement with uh, the service and the rangers that they were going to allow him to jump. They were going to try and stop him from jumping, but they were going to arrest him when they got down. And the whole idea was they were going to jump, show everybody it was safe, land in the happy little field, everybody dance around, and it would prove that base jumping was safe. Unfortunately, one yeah. of the jumpers, uh, knowing that she was going to be arrested when she landed, decided to switch gear uh, and jump borrowed gear off of this cliff. And she had, and I, again, I, I could be talking out of my ass because I don't know base jumping equipment, but she was used to a shoulder throw out. And she swapped to a rig that had a BOC, uh, which is a bottom of the container for those that don't skydive, meaning that instead of reaching up to your shoulder to throw out the pilot chute that opens the parachute, she would reach basically towards her hip. Uh, and she jumped off, reached to where her pilot chute normally was, and kept looking for it all the way to the fucking ground while they were protesting to show how safe it was. So, bummer way to do it. That definitely wasn't... Uh, yeah, and that obviously didn't highlight the sport in, <laughs> no. in the way that they were wanting to do it. No. And, yeah, but it, it shouldn't be. It should be that if the national parks and the states have parks and it's recreational areas for everyone and people can go kayaking and climbing and hiking, they should be allowed to base jump. This well, is where the, the people in Switzerland are really cool because the Swiss are very open to it. They say that everyone should be allowed to use the mountains sure. in whatever way that they want to. So say say all of a sudden you wake up tomorrow and it's it's legal to base jump all over the United States. Is that going to be a destination? For sure. I would definitely. That El Cap is also like, like Matt was saying, the videos with the flying Frenchies, that was one of the videos of like the first base jumps. So like people were jumping El Cap with skydiving rigs in, oh, yeah. in, in the 70s. 70s 80s 80s probably 80s. yeah yeah and yeah it basically is a big skydive it's sure like three and a half thousand feet well hell when i started skydiving uh, um you so, jump off new river gorge and there were very few people jumping base specific rigs you were jumping skydiving rigs yeah. you might pack them slider down um, which for again for those that don't jump means that the parachute's going to open quicker, but you're jumping the same equipment you would jump out of an airplane with uh, now to jump a skydiving rig and a base jump is foolhardy because the equipment in base jumping is so much more advanced. Yeah, it's crazy. And yeah. They've built skydive or base rigs, base parachutes, and so everything specifically designed so that it's going to. What work. do you think of these base rigs with reserves? Uh, for, I've. Not, not, I don't know. I think they're yeah. only so that you can jump them out of planes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, there are some base jumps, though, where, I mean, you've got enough altitude if you were opening high enough. I mean, so for somebody like me, a total fucking pussy that's going to go jump something, say, like uh, Angel Falls kind of height, that's basically a skydive. I've done hop and pops from lower than Angel Falls. Yeah. Uh, you can jump off of that, dump at a reasonable altitude, have a malfunction, and still cut away and use a reserve. Yeah. But like I was saying, the, the base gear is designed specifically for base jumping. So the biggest malfunctions i guess that you would see are the line over mm. and then you have a, a, re a releasable brake toggle what do they call them zoo so, toggles still i don't know what different manufacturers call them differently but almost all of them have them now so if you had a line over where the brake line instead of just coming straight back from the canopy to the the risers it's gone over the front of the canopy you can release the brake sure and then 
instead of the, the canopy being compressed by the line going over the top, it's it's freed and basically you can fly the parachute like normal. And then you're just flying via the rear risers. Yeah. So when you uh, the, what you're saying is you can free the brake, you can literally let go of the toggle yeah. that's the control line and there's nothing attached anymore. Yeah, exactly. um, so is it just, again, not knowing much about base equipment, all that means is that it's literally not going through a ring at the riser. It's free from that you let go it no longer has an effect no it's going through a ring but the the toggles designed so that you can pull a tab and, oh and so you're detaching so the toggle itself yeah you, i mean the, there's yeah exactly the loop that you would be holding on to yeah. oh wow like the yellow so so it's right, got usually. it's got like a cutaway cable similar wow. to what you'd have on a on a normal uh rig that's very cool yeah uh, have either of you had uh, malfunctions on base canopies? No. Oh, no. No. Other than no. like an off-heading line opening twist. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, line twists. Twist. We've both well, landed in the trees. Well, but now, line twists on a fucking wingsuit, that's a big goddamn deal. Well, yes and no, because the, the good thing about the wingsuits getting bigger and bigger is that you actually have more reach to reach up to the risers. Okay. In, in a smaller wingsuit, if your arm's attached like lower down then obviously you can't reach the risers in the bigger wingsuits you can um so that the the line twist would be the second biggest problem i guess after the the line overs yeah but uh, i'm assuming a line over is pretty uncommon if you're heads up because that's a packing error yeah yeah no i mean that it, yeah. it's more it's more likely to happen slider down yeah which we don't do a lot of and uh <clears throat> now with with like we have a uh, slider gate, which which will help prevent that as well, um, and with the measures that they have in place, they're you know. They're, and again, for any not rare. for any non jumpers, um, uh, as odd as it sounds, we have a piece of equipment on skydiving canopies and base jumping canopies called a slider that's actually designed to make the parachute open slower. And I know that sounds counterintuitive to anybody that doesn't jump you want that parachute open right fucking now but the problem is when it opens right fucking now it hurts really bad and uh, all your extremities including your head want to keep falling while your body stops so we have a a square chunk of uh cloth that is attached to all the lines of the canopies that stays all the way up and it kind of chokes the parachute off and makes it open slower uh, so if you were to pack a, um, a base rig slider down, it means that that thing is going to open with a whip crack and it's going to go from no parachute to insta parachute, which you don't want if you're building up a shitload of speed. Yeah, uh, so um, you'd only want that when you're jumping off a, a s small building, for example, and then pulling the parachute after less than two seconds or three seconds of jumping off. sure so you haven't built up the, the vertical speed now people are going to ask why the fuck would you want to jump off a building that you can only fall for like one or two seconds what's the draw super fun i mean it depends on the the object i mean i personally haven't done a lot of it but yeah, from what I. from what i have done it, it's it was it was a good experience with the boys you know like you you're sneaking around a lot of the times you're 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 going places where you shouldn't and uh yeah and you're sneaking up there you, you're, and you're jumping off and so landing safe and, yeah, for those awesome. that don't jump what does base stand for uh building 
Antenna, span, and earth. So you're either jumping off of buildings, radio antennas, span being a bridge, or a cliff. Uh, And in order to be considered a true base jumper, you've got to jump at least one of each of those. Yes. To get your base number. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I think that was a, that was a, like a, but yeah, it's still, it's still. (laughs) You're going to say the old days. I'm from the old days. So. (laughs) No, yeah, it's still, it's still true now, I think. And that's why. I'm still not a base jumper yet, and yeah, I'm man. still not. What haven't you jumped? The antenna. All right, but now th- some antennas get a couple thousand feet high. Is that not a draw? You just haven't had access to it? Yes, but in the States, I didn't want to jump antennas because they're not legal, and I'd like to keep going back to the States. Oh, ah, so yeah, that's that, right. For me, as a, as a foreigner, as a visitor, it was one of the biggest reasons not to jump the antenna. Even though in, in California, they have 1,500 feet antennas. Oh, I know. So Dripping that, past them many times. That's massive. That's, we we yeah. s- still want uh, children with 10 fingers and 10 toes. <laughs> I, uh, I used to... No, you get radio antennas. The first time I ever saw... Microwave antennas. Right. The first time I ever saw base jumping uh, in person was uh, back in 1996. I got hired by the guy by a guy by the name of Will Forche who shot videos... Um, a video called Lemmings, and it was Bridge Day, uh, and uh, he had me filming the landings portion of it. In the in the portion of one Bridge Day, I watched a dozen people in the trees. I watched a hundred people in the water. I watched one guy frap himself into the railroad tracks. Everybody lives and happy, but it was a pretty horrifying experience there. I mean, there's there was some craziness even back then, and it, it still to this day. So the antenna stuff. I, I uh, had driven a buddy to and from antennas all over California and then to the Wikiup Bridge in Arizona. And then Auburn Bridge became very popular in California as well. Yeah. So I got to watch a lot of it and see all the reasons why I didn't want to base jump. <laughs> yeah. So like Matt was saying, like the sneaking around part is – it can be fun. But for me, if I had to choose between a low building in the city or like in an urban area – and a wingsuit base jump in the mountains in Switzerland or Italy, I'd way rather choose the wingsuit base jump just because that, for me, is more fun. Not because it's more intense or anything. It's just that, that's where... Again, I, I'm talking out of my ass because I don't really know, but I would think the fucking 450 or 500-foot building as opposed to a trained wingsuit pilot flying down a mountain, you're much safer flying down that mountain than... Doing a direct back, having somebody hold your pilot shoot as you step off a building or or all the different... I mean, I've seen some sketchy fucking base jumps. Yeah. So it's it's like what you practice and what you know and what you, you've thought out or like thought through. And the low stuff is not, not what I've done, <laughs> right. not what I've right. thought out. So what comes next? The low stuff. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no, I want to one day for sure. Well, not one day. Absolutely, like to do um, the towers in in uh, Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. Okay. The KL that, Tower. That's yeah, that's a yearly we, boogie, isn't it? Yeah, we were talking about that a lot last summer about doing it this year. Yeah. Do they yeah. let you wingsuit off of that? Uh you can. Yeah. You probably oh, Scotty's done it, but I wouldn't wingsuit there. Okay. I would rather yeah. just enjoy the, yeah, the, the free falling, fall. doing aerials, doing backflips, doing two ways and four ways or whatever with your friends. Sure. Doing that side of it. Yeah, we we actually got to jump a building recently, which was super fun. So I think that kind of sparked our interest nice. a bit more. Nice. So um, sketchiest jump 
for each of you. Okay. I, I in in d- just dramatic detail. What's the single sketchiest fucking base jump either of you have had? And I asked specifically about base jumping because it really is alien to me. I am like the guy that never made a skydive in this aspect. I, I'm very attracted to the idea of it and horrified at the thought of it. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've kind of got one that's a skydive or one that's a base jump. But, hey, let me hear uh, about the base jump. Okay. <laughs> Do I say it? Yeah, why not? Yeah, man, so, go. Yeah, yeah. Go so, I, I fucked up once. I, uh, we, we, uh, we woke up one morning, forecast is perfect. We're like, yeah, sick. We're going to get to bang out a few jumps on this one exit. And, uh, we, uh. Me and Nick got up early, super eager, went and did a jump. Uh, it was actually our first jump off the specific place. And, um, yeah, it was good. It was perfect. We loved it. Boom. Got off. Flew. Super good. Landed. Our mate, uh, Grainy, had been sleeping. So we uh, woke him up and uh, he kind of took his time like he does in the morning and we're like, yeah, come on, let's go, let's go. He wakes up, gets out. We go back up to the exit and uh, we kind of just enjoying it, you know, looking at the view, taking our time. And then pretty much as soon as we get down on the exit, like uh, one little popcorn cloud just rolls in and goes bang and kind of hits the top. And uh, it's it's been blue sky all day and they just started kind of popping up. And uh, we just thought, oh, yeah, this one will come and go. So we're like, okay, let's gear up and and uh, it'll clear for sure. And it was it was stupid for sure. But we geared up and we all kind of stood there like lemmings on the exit. <laughs> and uh, I was first. And I kind of, we discussed about how, you know, if the hole came, we would try and get off quick and stuff like that. So... I was literally standing on the exit just expecting a hole to come and it would be all good. And it must have been, what, 10 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we were all doing solos. So, yeah, I was like, okay, let's go. And so I was standing there and uh, the clouds, like, kind of uh, starting to break up where the wall is, right. you know, so I can see down the hole but i can't see down the line sort of thing all right and we we i wouldn't say gotten away with it but we'd done it a few times before you know where where you'll get a hole and punch the hole and you end up underneath and you're all good you know so yeah i i expect that's what's gonna happen and i exited maybe a little hastily uh but yeah, it it was actually super shit. I fucked up really <laughs> bad because I ended up in that cloud. Uh, I proceeded to fly in that cloud for more than ten seconds. Oh, and uh, it was almost fifteen seconds. Yeah, and uh, I the the whole it felt like an hour. So more than fifteen seconds after having jumped off a cliff near terrain. Yeah, in a fucking cloud. Yeah. yeah, and they've done tests where they've taken like really, really good pilots, and they've like blacked out the the instruments mm. to see how long they can keep a plane flying straight for, and even the best pilots can only do it for about like thirty or forty seconds. Oh yeah, 
it, uh, before the plane starts drifting off. And that that's just sitting at the controls, literally just holding them straight, flying straight. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And that, that exit has a mandatory right turn as well after <laughs> the exit. So, wait... So now you're now you're talking my language. So, as a as a pilot, you've got a departure procedure yeah, <laughs> that you've exactly. got to fly. One, runway ten nine. <laughs> you you got a fucking. Uh, you have a route that you have to fly, and you're in a cloud with no instruments. Yeah, yeah, but basically, I got very lucky, and that was definitely my one uh, chance. All right, so let me ask you: You're in this fucking cloud. Does it uh, cross your mind? Fuck, just open up, just pitch. Open my yeah. parachute right now, and at least if I'm going to hit something, I'm going to do it with an open parachute. Man, there was so many things going through my head. I uh, I thought, uh, this is how it happens, mm. definitely. I thought, uh, well, oh, people, shit. People don't realize how much time slows down in situations like that. It slows to a crawl. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, I'd, I'd experienced it once before in a plane crash, and I've I that was you know, the the other moment. But yeah, that one was was a really bad decision. And mm. I realized that because uh, I, I have a lot of personal rules for myself with base jumping for mm. things that will prevent things like that happening. And now I have one that if I don't see the line, I won't jump. That's a damn good rule. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And I should have had that before, but, you know... F- we it, not that we get away with it. it 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 is definitely possible for that scenario that i thought in my head to have been the scenario that would have happened sure. but there's no way of controlling that yeah, yeah. Well, and i i always try and uh, temper the use of the word luck because really luck doesn't play a part in a lot of what we do yeah. but there are certain situations where luck does have something to do with it whether it be good luck or bad luck and it it, it sounds like there was a little bit of luck involved for sure but there was also the planning in the in the day before the the morning that the whole day was supposed to be clear blue skies Mm. and the exit was at like four thousand three thousand meters three thousand meters three and a half thousand meters or something like that so it's really high up there and it it obviously has its own weather system sure the clouds started building where it wasn't forecast. Doesn't take, yeah. Well, no. I mean, Mother Nature's like any woman I've ever dated. She does whatever the fuck she wants, no matter what I want. <laughs> yeah, but basically, I came out next to a big pillar, and like, and the last five seconds, last five seconds, I could see terrain below, sort of thing. So it was, it was definitely very scary, and and then, then I had the, the thought of holy shit. My mates have followed me, mm. and like, because I thought maybe that sucker hole might have got them in as mm. well. And uh, so then I was like, "Fuck!" So then I flew down and uh, called them. And, wow. Yeah, no, so, all right. Now here's a question them. you may or may not have been asked: What were you thinking the next time you were standing at an exit point? The very next time after having learned that lesson, was it a different person standing there? Uh, yeah, I mean then. Like after that, I composed myself and I kind of looked at the things that I did wrong and the things that, and I just made that, made a rule to stop that happening again. Hmm. Because, like, without those 
like boundaries it's it's, it's easy a good to, fucking rule it's a yeah. damn good rule i uh, well yeah so nick how about yeah, you but it seems obvious looking back at it now and yeah. it hindsight's like, 2020 man like, why would you not have done that before but like we said there were other points or other exits where we jumped where there was a little bit of cloud where you could see like a webcam image for example of the mountain mm. and you know that the clouds just at the very top and so you make decisions based on previous experiences. Yeah, but they're 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 well informed decisions. Yeah, but yeah. obviously sometimes that one, that that one, one was like a proper like cumulonimbus <laughs> fucking <laughs> big ass puffy fucking cloud that had filled up like the, the entire bowl. Uh, and, that, I, and it must it was and then we started noticing there because we spent a few days there and uh, when the direction kind of blew. A little bit kind of side head on there mm. um it, it did start to fill in that bowl there a lot like it would wrap around the back as well and yeah it was nick uh, how about you what was uh what was a holy shit moment have you had one or well the one that i mentioned earlier where i i flew the wrong line but like that one luckily ended well and pretty quickly it wasn't, there's no big build up to it. And there's sure. no like good story afterwards where sure. I did something amazing to pull it off. I just literally flew out and then the ground dropped off more and I could fly a, a safe path and find a landing area. It, it, um, it strikes me as so funny uh, because I, 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 I get to see things from both perspectives. So for, to you, what is a non-story to most human beings is a holy shit there I was moment so you it's funny because you, there's no build-up there's no big story fuck yes there is holy shit i almost flew a wingsuit into a fucking mountain and it worked out all right the holy shit <laughs> so now the, the i don't know the scariest one was when i i flew the tracking suit and we opened up next to a waterfall and believe it or not like next to the waterfall there's huge turbulences mm. and things and i think that had the biggest thing to do with having the off heading opening mm. and then flying the parachute at a forest like back up against the mountain there's trees growing up on the like against the mountain and there's just these huge pine trees and you know you're going to land in them Oof. and yeah hitting the tree grabbing onto the the top of the branch <laughs> and then just being like what the yeah what the fuck do i do now i'm all right like there's no branches sticking through me, like I'm fine. And then trying to figure out how to like get the canopy back over the tree because half of it had gone over the top that side and half the other side. So I had to climb literally all the way to the very top of the tree to reach the lines to get them over <laughs> to the other side of the tree and then climb back down in the tracking suit with the, the canopy. No, and by I, that time, like friends had gathered at the bottom to help. And uh, guess. That, that, but that hanging in the tree that day was one of the like... Well, now speaking again as a non-base jumper, uh, it wouldn't have ever crossed my mind to climb up the tree for the parachute. Fuck the parachute. Um, I just went out of this tree. <laughs> but I wouldn't have. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but like, you need to get your gear back. <laughs> yeah, there's a practical side to it, all right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very cool to hear the different perspectives, and it really is a different uh, um, a different uh, amount of fear that people are able to cope with or, or uh, crazy situations they're easy, able to get used to. Uh, because for a non-jumper, what I find very comfortable is completely alien. But uh, talking to you guys, what you guys do is 
that much alien to me. I mean, I might as well be a non-jumper talking to somebody that jumps out of planes all day long because, holy shit, it would never cross my mind. Uh, and I've said it before in previous podcasts and talking to other people, I made the decision a long time ago that I would not be a base jumper when it was an attractive option because I knew I was going to be a dad. Uh, and this is also back when base jumping wasn't an if, it was a when. Uh, it wasn't if you fucked yourself up really bad, it was when and just how bad and were you going to be breathing at the end of it. Yeah. Um, so, and it's changed a whole lot now. Luckily now I'm just too fucking old to want to do it. <laughs> I'll watch you guys do it. Yeah. No, so we're, we're moving away from that flying the wingsuits really low to the terrain, flying super close over trees or flying through little caves and holes. And I think as a whole, it's moving away from that and rather to like what we were doing last season and more the free flying with the wingsuit from an high from a high exit and then playing around carving head down and then flying out again with the wingsuit so you're using the wingsuit as an ability to to maintain more free fall and be more creative in that free fall without yeah. getting down and down having, the dirt. having a long free fall and then still being able to fly away from the cliff sure flying over a safe clear area where you can open the parachute and then landing now, how about, uh, how about this XRW stuff? And for those that don't know, XRW means that, uh, you've got wingsuits, basically people in free fall flying up to people under an open parachute and holding hands and checking shit out. Right. It's pretty fucking epic. XRW is the biggest pain in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Well, I don't know. It's something that just like, uh, I guess because I'm pure kind of tunnel background and flying sort of thing so it's something that has or it just comes foreign to me like i i i i love it and it's very challenging and i i fuck it up a lot <laughs> but it's just something that it, it's something that i fuck up a lot and i just don't i don't get the the I don't like trying to slow the wingsuit down. Okay. I don't like having to, like, uh, to, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's something that. Uh, it's kind of cool yeah. to hear because you, you, you naturally assume from, from my perspective or that of the observer that uh, guys that are doing the kind of stuff that you're doing must just be badass at every aspect of the sport. So it's kind of cool to hear you say that, no, this just fucking does your head in. Because yeah. flying XRW or flying the wingsuit with a parachute is flying the wingsuit at the exact opposite spectrum of where we fly wingsuits in the mountain. Mm. When we're flying wingsuits in the mountain, we're trying to always fly steep and fast because speed is your friend and speed will give you lift and you'll get away from the mountain. Mm. Flying the, the wingsuit now that they are big enough and, and canopies are small and fast enough that you can, they kind of overlap that envelope, but you're flying the wingsuit at the slowest possible Sure. Yeah. Like margin. And it's not easy. And obviously for me, it's a bit easier than it is for Matt because I'm lighter. Sure. And we're about the same height. So I have like the advantage on that side of it. But it's, it's, it's amazing. The first time I flew next to someone and I was flying a wingsuit and they were under parachute and I was like, well, why can't we just land together now? Because sure. they're going to land the parachute in that configuration. Yeah. And I should be able to just fly with them and land the wingsuit. What did you think them. the first time a wingsuit got landed? It's awesome. And I still, I'm surprised that it hasn't happened more often or that more people aren't doing it yet. And 
I mean, that's a... Yeah, but you Oof. need a whole bunch of boxes. Yeah, I know. But... <laughs> a whole bunch of boxes. And again, for those that have never seen the video, Google a wingsuit uh, actually landing without a parachute. It was something like 80,000 boxes. Uh, British yeah. guy. Yeah. Amazing uh, what he name. did. For yeah. sure. Gary Connery? Yes. Or not? yes. Yeah. Some fucking stones, man. To and, yeah. yeah, he had the idea and he had he obviously planned it out really well and it worked. And since then, there have been at least four people that have landed wingsuits in trees uh, yeah. from base jumping. So Intentionally? Un- un- unintentionally. Unintentionally. So this unintentionally. is getting too close to the terrain yeah. Yeah. and surviving it. Yeah, oh, and hitting trees, landing in trees, and surviving without yeah. ever opening the parachute. Doing XRW with stationary objects. <laughs> Fucking hell. No, man. No, no, no. <laughs> well, so... But yeah, X, XRW is good. Don't get me wrong, I like it. It's just, it's one thing that's just, you know, it just can't. You just haven't mastered can't, it yet. Can't nail it. You just haven't mastered yeah. it yet. So, what do you see in the future? I mean, you got uh, Vince and Fred that uh, are flying back into airplanes and they're flying rigid wings with fucking jets and shit. What's next? I mean, where do you think this all goes? Because there was a time when I thought we'd seen every damn thing when Patrick came up with the first wingsuit. Yeah. I never would have envisioned what's going on now. So what do you guys think is coming next? I'm hoping we all get a rigid wing with jets. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, I was that would say. Buzz that, Lightyear. That, yeah. The future would obviously be everyone flying rigid yeah. wings with jets. If that can become a thing, if that can become the next step and affordable to people and if people can save, but obviously, because when fi- people first saw people fly wingsuits, it, it seemed crazy. Sure, and some guy was sewing up a wingsuit in his in his loft and then jumping it out the plane, sure. and it seemed crazy. So, if everyone can fly a rigid wing, it would be awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. And that's why, like, what Fred and Vince are doing for us is just it's, it's fucking it's, next level shit. Yeah, I don't know how you would regulate the air traffic with everyone buzzing around, yeah. but. You won't. You won't. You won't. You got enough idiots in airplanes. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That would be so awesome, though. Like, it, uh, uh, yeah, no, it'll be absolutely incredible. And I, I just saw footage of, uh, I don't know if it was Fred or Vince uh, hovering Vince. now. And they've Yeah, Vince was doing it. So they've got the jets now that have enough power that he's holding a steady yeah. fucking hover. And the end yeah, result being, up. yeah, the end result is going to be a launch from the ground. Yeah. Full on fucking Buzz yeah. Lightyear. Holy shit. I know. Well, we're going to see a lot of really cool things from them with the rigid wings in the, oh, fe- in the near yeah. future. Oh, well, and I've been very, very lucky. I had the opportunity to fly a Twin Otter with them flying formation with me. And looking out the window, at two guys just waving at me, smiling. Wow, hold, that's not fucking possible. That's the future right out my window. Yeah. I'm flying an airplane that was designed in like 1963. And all of a sudden, here I am in the future, and there's a guy just on his own with a pair of jets on his back flying around. It was some seriously intense shit. And then to see him flying with jets, and it's it's, eh? it's just bananas. It's kind of how we feel when we fly with the plane. (laughs) (laughs) No, we we actually got to touch the wing in cross keys. uh, What what kind of plane was it? Uh, Caravan. Caravan. Oh, it's a Garrett Caravan, I think, isn't it? Yeah. I, th- I think they're flying a Garrett. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's Pico over there, and he does a sick job. And That's it was, awesome. It was an awesome jump. 
Yeah. I'm glad we did that. Because wow. flying the wingsuit next to the plane and touching the plane yeah. and seeing the pilot inside. But obviously the plane's flying really steep and sure. fast and we're descending the whole time because we're descending in the wingsuit. Well, even I'll tell you what, even speaking as a pilot that uh, um, I'll drop you guys off and do a hard turn. And even if I've got a whopping three or four seconds looking out and, and throwing you a high five and one of you guys will give me a nod or something. And it's just uh, the whole rest of the day. I'm like, fuck yeah, that was it's badass. Awesome, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty fucking cool for sure. Now, Tips to those coming up. You, there's a whole bunch of people um, that want to do what you're doing. Um, some of them are planning on doing it totally the wrong way. Some of them are thinking they're going to do it the right way. What's the right way? What's the wrong way? How do you go from zero to what you guys are doing safely or as safe as possible? What what advice do you have to, to the guy that just finished AFF and the only reason he did AFF is because he wants to go fly down a mountain? I'll start with a lot of money. But, um, <laughs> right. No, just take it slow. As much as like you're excited about it and you, you're eager to learn and do it right now, basically the mountains will always be there. Even if it gets banned in Europe, there's still China, there's South America, there's <laughs> other big mountains. Sure. We're, there's a legal man. Sure. Know. Yeah, you can go be a pirate. Yeah. For sure. But... Yeah, it's better to do it slowly and learn to fly the wingsuits and progress flying a small wingsuit and a bigger wingsuit. And it's a lot of fun. The whole the whole journey is actually a lot of fun. That's the and thing, it's, actually. It's I not, was, yeah, it's I, not just getting to flying a, a wingsuit off a mountain in Switzerland that it's one meter off the ground. That's fun. Everything building up to that. The days at the drop zone jumping with Matt, we do 10 jumps a day and all of that is fun. That's that was the the thing that I was going to ask is that it's not the end game it's the whole yeah. trip and it's, it's still fun day. even after doing proximity flying and and wingsuit base jumps going back to the drop zone and doing skydives right. can be just so, as fun so strapping on a tandem rig or strapping on a camera helmet you're still enjoying yeah uh, yeah I mean I not, not as much it's tempered like, yeah of course like, it's like a training, different but yes it. Doing camera jumps is awesome and seeing someone jump for the first time and I still get, you still have to enjoy it yeah. because you're still seeing someone having that excitement the first time like, and you remember how you felt the first time. Like, I remember the first time I jumped out of the plane with my dad as a tandem passenger and I just reached up and grabbed his arms, like <laughs> the worst passenger in the world ever. Awesome. But I awesome. mean, like I was 11 years old, so <laughs> he didn't have any problem like overpowering me. Right. But... Yeah, it, it, you see that that excitement, that fear before they jump out, and then the excitement in free fall and the excitement after landing, and you take some of that with, for sure. Awesome. Every day. So from Nick, the the just enjoy every minute of it, regardless of what it is. Enjoy that journey. How about you, Matt? What what advice do you have for somebody that wants to do this crazy shit? Yeah, I mean, ev everyone says it, but yeah, don't rush. Like uh, I spent ages flying in the tunnel repetition for me like you you like learn it and solidify it i guess like i i will do a trick or do do a, a move over and over and over and over until i can do it without thinking and uh i guess that's something i learned from the tunnel because we used to train and train and train and train sure and uh yeah use everything like don't just focus on 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 
doing one thing you know like if if you can if you can learn it all and learn to fly your body in all orientations and learn to wingsuit and learn to track use a track suit and learn it all because it all helps all those lessons are going to funnel into stuff that's going to keep you safe and can i tell them about the swimming pool because you said use it all yeah please matt used to go and jump into the swimming pool before his first base jumps before we he used to go on like the first wingsuit base jumps. Right. He used to stand at the edge of the pool and just dive in head first with his arms by his side, like the way that he would exit from the cliff. Awesome. Yeah. And and he would do this like repetitively before the very first one. And then if it was like a week or two weeks in between when we got to do a, a wingsuit base jump, he would go back to the pool the night or the evening before and bomb me into the pool like that head first. That's fucking awesome though. Yeah. And, and, and that that's was... what people don't see on the 30-second videos of course not. Of course on not. Instagram, and that's what you'd like to remind people yeah, of. Yeah, that was that was grainy. Yeah. He, it, like, I remember I was like, dude, I'm going to do the, like, jump the wingsuit uh, first time. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, and he came over and he, he uh, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll show you this. And then we sat there and probably spent an hour doing exits off the – ledge of the spa into the pool <laughs> awesome. in our building and just going boom 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 and like the the security guy was like <laughs> watching us thinking what the hell are these boys doing you know because like we're sitting there and pretending to zip and like vies are down and you know and then just going through the whole thing you know and and then uh the yeah the next day we went out to the mountain and and sent it but and I'm guessing you jumped off the mountain the same way you jumped into the pool. Yeah, just with a drier mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember, I remember that day I had a croissant, and we were driving up the mountain, and I was sitting there chewing this croissant for like it's like 30, thirty minutes from where we camped to drive up the top and of the was, mountain, and he was just eating the croissant, just chewing, sitting in the car going. And I was, I was like, this thing's like fucking concrete. It was like, it was the worst, man. And then, and then the hike, man. You have to piss like ten times. Isn't it funny the shit that sticks in your memory that that you're jumping off a you're jumping off fucking mountains in a wingsuit, but one of your most one of the biggest memories you've got is chewing a croissant. Well, I didn't chew it. I didn't even swallow, dude. I got to the top. I spat it out. I was like, this ain't happening today. Like, I'll, I'll eat when I'm down. But I remember it was, it was the best feeling, like the best feeling ever landing. Like when I landed and I was like, man, I did that, you know? And that's it. Like, and what what I find is like the the more you you extend yourself, the easier the things behind you become. Sure. You know? So like it's it's like the 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 things that I I get to do and like me and Nick got to fly under the Dubai frame and I remember the the um driving to the airport talking about that so many times and we're like nah man that's way too low we wouldn't do that nah man and And next thing you know yeah and then we we got there you know and we got the opportunity thanks to like a lot of our friends and stuff and it was it was amazing and i remember landing from that jump and just feeling ecstatic plus because 
there was like a car and I landed by the car and I was just <laughs> like, yes, I was so stoked. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and it's those kind of things too. And I, I completely agree with you. You overcome either a fear or a, a trepidation to something and, and it goes perfectly and just as planned and you, you land and you walk away from it just feeling like a million dollars. It kind of turns down the volume on the bullshit in your life and it makes the other things you used to think were hard to overcome kind of nothing you know it, yeah. it, it really does make shit a hell of a lot easier for sure strengthens the head you know oh yeah now for all this stuff that you've been doing uh, you guys are sponsored and and uh, you got videos out there is there a place people can go to see some of these videos we got uh, websites or instagram accounts instagram will be the best <laughs> what like do we got we each have in our personal instagram accounts cool what are they? Nicholas Scalabrino. You're going to have to spell that shit out because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even trying. <laughs> spell it out for him. S-C-A-L-A-B-R-I-N-O. All right. So and Nicholas Scalabrino, you're going to check out on Instagram. And Matt. Matt? And Matt Munting. M-U-N-T-I-N-G. I, I think I had that one. <laughs> yeah, no, You're fucking awesome. Aussie, man. It's That's easy. And, I can handle that. And yeah, a lot of our stuff's on squirrels, like uh, media as well. Like okay, so uh, you're sponsored by Squirrel Suits. So yeah. do, you, do you happen to know the website offhand? Uh, squirrelwingsuit.com. So, uh, it's squirrel.ws okay. for the website. And then they also have the Instagram, just, just squirrelwingsuit, squirrelws. And lots of our stuff is there, like Matt said. And then the other people that have we've been working with is uh, Dirty Habits in Cape Town, okay. in South Africa. Now, yeah. what's Dirty Habits? Dirty habits is a sounds life, awesome. It's a life, yeah, <laughs> something we all identify with, right? right? It's a, a lifestyle brand or okay. a, a media company clothing brand um, from a friend of a friend of mine in Cape Town, and they they saw Matt's um, shoey that he did off the mountain in Switzerland. So basically, he he flew the wingsuit and then had a a beer in a little fanny pack, opened the beer under canopy, poured it in his shoe. And then drank the beer out of the shoe. And they really like that. And from there, we've kind of been working with them a bit. So they're kind of our, our clothing sponsor at the awesome. moment. And they also do videos and, and do film stuff. So they've made some cool edits of our footage. Awesome. They have a website they can people can yeah, check out? Yeah, it's also just Dirty Habits TV. Dirty Habits TV. I, I got to check that shit out. Yeah, they're, they're mad uh, kite surfers, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, it it was awesome. We just went and hung out with them. And we're starting to learn to kite surf, which is sick. So, hopefully, we'll be able to do something together at some point. Yeah. Awesome. Which would be awesome. I keep seeing so many hybrids of different sports starting to come together and, and parasailing and, and, uh, skydiving and base jumping and all these things starting to blend. And it's, it's, it's really fucking cool to see. Yeah. It's cool to see what people can come up with because obviously you can only do so much in one sport and then, sure. and you meet people in other sports and you want to do stuff together. Then yeah. there's things that you can, you can blend the sports and well, it's, and it's awesome just learning to kiteboard and learning to kiteboard with a whole bunch of people that have been doing it for 15, 20 years and being taken out. And when it's 40 knots in Cape Town, 
It was crazy. Sure. We were both thrown in, oh. in the deep end a bit. <laughs> it's kind of cool to be a student again, though, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I shit myself. <laughs> uh, well, I tried to explain to people because uh, I've been jumping for a long time and I got a shitload of jumps, but I'm a, I'm a workhorse. You know, I was chucking drugs and shooting video. So uh, my fun jump experience and, and, and my uh, flying ability is pretty much stuck in those two venues you know i mean i can shoot a decent video and i'm a good tandem instructor but free flying i got kids with you know a couple hundred hours in the tunnel and 50 jumps that are flying fucking circles around me and i've had friends that are outside the sport that would think that i'd be upset by it and i think it's the coolest damn thing in the world i think it's fun as hell to to suck at it a because it takes the pressure off and b because it means i get to keep learning and which is the fun part for me yeah some of uh my favorite skydivers are uh, like nine years old and eleven, or oh, I think they're probably thirteen and eleven the now or flies. something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Wittenbergs, for oh, Christ's yeah, sakes, man. That's what I'm talking about. I'm actually going to be talking to them uh, on the podcast here uh, in the very near future because I'm going to talk to the whole damn family because they're just such an anomaly in the talent that's involved. And and I'm sure you guys saw the video that and came out years ago on Vimeo that was uh, the one titled Nine yeah. uh, that she made that was just. You almost did. You almost got a tear coming out of your eye because you got this inspirational talk coming out of this squeaky little girl's voice who's flying at ninety-eight percent in the wind tunnel in a way that I will never be able to fly. And most adults will never fly. Never be able to fly at fucking nine years old, and they've done nothing but take it to new levels ever since. I was going to say the scary thing is that's four years ago. Oh yeah. And now, like you watch them, and it's like I watch them having flown back then. You know, with them. Yeah. And I watch them now and they're like grease lightning. Oh, it's it's crazy. I just watched their, uh, I think it was their last open routine in Spain. And uh, I I can't even, it used to be I'd be able to watch a good tunnel routine. And and even though I couldn't do it, I knew how they were doing it. Yeah, yeah. But it's gotten to the point now where I'm watching them fly in the tunnel and I don't actually understand what just fucking happened. Liquid magma. It really is. It's just, I I don't even understand it. and. It's going to – actually, that's going to be a funny podcast because I'm going to – I don't know if I have to try and control my mouth or not. They've been around fucking skydivers for so long that I shouldn't have to watch my mouth, but I'm going to try. But, I I mean, I'm blown away by them. I'm the next generation coming up, especially when it's something like the Wittenbergs, they're going to take this to places we never dreamt of. Yeah. Yeah, sure. if, if I think if they end up jumping, you talk to them now, they kind of say, say they're kind of – if you had, I think Noah wants to be a professional gamer, and Kaylee, I'm not sure, but they, yeah, it'll be interesting because you but kind of think, way, how already, can they not? Already, they've you know? taken it to another level. Well, and they, inspired they, they're people. already at the top of the tunnel, flying at the moment, yeah. pretty much. Well, like, I mean, to have a nine-year-old inspire. A fucking 45-year-old at the time. And me watching a little nine-year-old going, God, I want to be as good as her when I grow up. What kind of bizarro world did we step into? It's fucking fantastic. I never would have imagined it being this cool. And it just keeps getting more and more and more so. Oh, awesome. Well, all right. So we got uh, Nick Scalabrino we're going to check out on Instagram. Matt Munting we're going to check out on Instagram. We're going to go to Squirrel Suits. And what's the, the clothing? Dirty Habits TV. I fucking love that. <laughs> Dirty Habits, man. I got to check that shit out. Any parting words? Anything else you guys want them to know? Any any place they should go check out? Any other people they should check out? Yeah, check out Flock Goods as well. It's one of my mates. He's kind of uh, started up a kind of nutraceutical kind of company. Cool. And uh, it's in uh, California. 
Um, but yeah, he supports us as well. Matt Gagney, he used to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Went through a bit of a tragic car accident and came out the other end. Um, Doing yeah. quite well for himself now too. He's awesome. Yeah, he's he's uh, trying to make it big, and uh, yeah, he's putting out some good stuff. So check that out as well. Awesome. And uh, NZ Aerosports. NZ, NZ Aerosports help us out. Awesome. With canopies. And- yeah. Never a bad thing. Got to have the parachute at the end of the jump. Mad hookies. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, it's been fucking fantastic talking to you guys. Uh, We'll have to do it again sometime because I have a feeling you guys have got some gnarly stories that you haven't shared quite yet. So we'll get you to uncork with that shit. (laughs) And we're making more every day. Damn right. Well, in the meantime, again, great having you guys on. And for all those listening, uh, check back in next time. Uh, We got more shit coming. But uh, Blue Skies, we'll do it again. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Yeah. All right. All right. As always, this uh, podcast is brought to you in association with Blue Skies Magazine. You're going to want to go check them out. Uh, Blueskiesmagazine.com. You can also check out their Facebook page and their Instagram. They are all over the place. Uh, You can check me out on Instagram as well. Uh, Mine is under the Princess Pilot, because who knew Instagram won't let you say fucking too much without getting upset. Uh, On Facebook, I'm the Effin Pilot, E-F-F-I-N Pilot. And, of course, my website, thefuckingpilot.net. Go check them all out. uh, Have some fun. Buy some cool swag. And we will see you next time around on Lunatic Fringe.